greatest hits, when we hear those words, what comes to mind? When I got researching greatest, there are so many lists of greatest things. For instance, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who's the greatest president? What about the greatest scientist or the greatest book or the greatest song or the greatest steak or the greatest restaurant? There are so many lists of greatest. And it's fun to talk about these things when we get together with friends and family that have common interests. It's fun to debate it. And the thing is, these lists can change from decade to decade. And over the past couple of weeks, we've had a good time looking at the list of greatest verses out of Philippians 3 and 4. In week one of this series, we jumped into the question of, is there something or somebody that has taken priority over Jesus in my life? I, learned, I need to learn to count everything but loss for Christ. Week two, we looked at to see if our life is worth imitating. And then last week, we talked about how we find real peace in our life. It challenges us to get along with others, to pray more, and to focus our thoughts on the truth of Scripture. And so today, we finish out the book of Philippians, and we come to the last part of Philippians chapter 4, and we look at probably one of the greatest verses of all time. I mean, let's be honest. If you have grown up in or around church, you have probably memorized this verse at some time. We know this verse well. We've heard it. We've said it. In fact, when I say Philippians 4.13, many of you are already thinking of the verse. So let's say it together. Ready? Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Many of us know that verse. We've quoted it. We've used it. I remember as a kid learning this verse. And man, when I learned this verse, I thought that this meant, man, I've got all the strength in the world. I could be exceptional. I could be incredible. I could even be like a superhero. Man, do we love superheroes. You want to talk about the greatest list. What about the greatest list of superheroes ever? My favorite superhero is Batman. Because in my opinion, there actually could be a Batman out there. Some rich guy that has all the toys. That man can just do incredible things. But let's be honest, a lot of us, we love superhero. We love the superhero movies. Many of us know, including myself, when the next Marvel movie or series comes out and we can't wait to watch it. It's turned into a billion dollar industry because we love superheroes. And why do we love superheroes so much? Because they're exceptional. Think about it. They do something that's incredible. And when we watch those movies, even as kids and maybe sometimes as adults, we put ourselves into that position and we think, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could do the things that they can do? And so when we read a verse like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We're like, man, I'm going to be a Christian superhero. But then life hits and we get older. And we start to realize that our lives don't look so exceptional. In fact, we struggle with the way our lives look sometimes. The dreams that we had as kids aren't actually living out in our life. The standards that we wanted to meet, we just don't measure up. And let's be honest, when we look in the mirror, we're far from superhero material according to all that we see plastered in society around us. And sometimes that discontent that we have of looking at our life 
can continue to grow and, and all of a sudden we're living a life of unrest. But when we take this verse in context, we see that Paul is encouraging us not to be a superhero, but to find strength in Christ, which brings true contentment. Not settling into complacency, not settling into just being something average, but being this faithful, content follower of Christ that brings real peace and real joy into our lives. And today, you might be sitting there and you might be beat down. You might be discouraged by the circumstances of life. You might feel that your life is just full of a bunch of accidents. It reminds me of something I heard Warren Wearsby once say. He said this, life is not a series of accidents. It is a series of appointments. And what Paul understood was his life wasn't an accident, but appointments that God had brought into his life. And he says, listen, I want to show you how to have a, a life of contentment. And so today, as we look at this chapter, we're going to find what it means to truly be content as a follower of Christ. But before we do that, let's just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today through Scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you love us and that you care about what's going on in our life. And God, you know exactly where we are right now. And many of us today might be discouraged. We might be defeated. And God, I just ask that you would wrap your arms around us, that you would show us your love, that you would encourage us through your word. Thank you for this opportunity to spend time together in the word of God in scripture that shows us how we can live a content life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now just a quick reminder of context. Paul is under house arrest when he's writing this letter, this book, to the Philippians. More than likely, he's sitting in a house, a small apartment or something. He's chained to a Roman guard. He can't go anywhere. He's, everything he does is watched. And he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And the theme of Philippians is joy. And somehow, even through his circumstances, he's writing this letter to him to encourage him. So look what he says. Look what the first thing he says is in Philippians 4 and verse number 10 in this part of Scripture. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Even as Paul, sitting under house arrest, sitting in jail, in prison, he's, he's sitting there waiting for his trial. The outcome of which was probably going to be him being put to death. And he says, listen, I'm rejoicing because of what you've done for me, because of the way that you've taken care of me. And as we dive deeper, we see a man that is content with life, even though his circumstances aren't great. Look what he says in verse number 11. He says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There's a couple words in there that we kind of want to look at and think about. The first word is the word learned. In the Greek, which is what Paul was writing in, in the Greek, this idea is, is that we're learning through experience. It wasn't some class that he sat down in and they taught him, hey, this is what you want to learn. No, this was the school of hard knocks. This was life. This is what had taught him this. 
This was the idea of this learning. I've learned through experience, through what's happened to me in life, through the circumstances of life, this is what I've learned. And he says, I've learned what? I've learned to be content. Again, in the Greek, that idea of content is, is, is the idea of being self-contained, self-sufficient, not needing anything outside of us. Everything we need inside of us. We have everything that we need. We don't have to depend upon anything else. And through his thanking the church for their help, he's striving to show them that he's learned to be satisfied in himself, but not in himself alone, but he's satisfied that Christ lives in and through him. And he says, guess what? I want to let you in on a little secret. And we all love secrets. And really, that's what he's saying here. This, this, is, this idea of the secret here is this mystic stuff, this stuff that well, the religious mystics, that they, they didn't understand. He says, I'm going to let you in on something. I'm going to let you on the secret on how to live a content life. And he says, the first thing through what he said, through the, all my circumstances, I've learned to be content because I understand that contentment starts with God's provision. In fact, if you have a copy of scripture there in front of you, you might have that heading God's providence right there at the start of verse number 10. Providence has the idea of seeing before it happens. We know that God's all-knowing and that he can see our lives from beginning to end, even before they play out. And see, God loves to work through uh, two ways in our life. He loves to work through miracles and he loves to work through his provision. Now, miracles, we all love miracles. Let's be honest. We love to read about a good miracle. When we get into Scripture, we love to spend time reading about the miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna, the food that fell from heaven to feed the Israelites while they're in the middle of the desert. You've got in the New Testament, Jesus raising people from the dead and healing uh, blind men and healing lame people and, and restoring hearing. And, and all the, the, in the Old Testament, there's a guy that gets thrown onto the bones of Elisha and comes back to life. I mean, we even write songs about that these days. And man, all those miracles, we love a good miracle. God still works through miracles. We've uh, heard of people that have been healed from sickness miraculously, or uh, maybe we've heard of people being money just dropped in their mailbox to pay off things. I've heard of people that have uh, been out of gas and someone out of the clear blue walks up and gives them money and pays for gas without them ever meeting them before. We love miracles. If you're a student, you love the miracle of when you don't study for a test and somehow you pass it. God still works in miracles these days. But more often than not, he works through his provision. For instance, in the Old Testament, we see the life of Esther. And Esther became a queen through the providence of God, through provision of God. She was no one. And just happened to be at the right place at the right time and became the queen so that she could save her people from total annihilation. Think about the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and how Joseph was thrown into a pit, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, put in prison and forgotten about. And somehow God, through his uh, acts of circumstances in his life, takes him from prison to becoming second in command in all of Egypt so that Joseph can save his family and ultimately save the nation of Israel from famine. See, God's provision works constantly in our life. And more often than not, God uses circumstances in our life to bring us where he wants us to be. But so many times, we get angry, we get upset when things don't go our way. We get upset when people get things that we don't have. 
When somebody gets a new car or a new phone or gets a better job, maybe they move into a newer house that's bigger and nicer than ours and, and we get upset. When things don't go our way, when it seems like everything's against us, when uh, we hit a pothole in Michigan and tear up our tires and wheels, which is happening quite often. Can you believe the roads in Michigan this year? And we get upset about when things don't go our way because we become selfish. Sometimes we become complacent in life. See, our selfishness leads to complacency. But God's provision leads to contentment. When we get focused on ourselves and things don't go our way and life doesn't measure up to how we think it should be, we kind of settle in sometimes into this complacency. We're not content. We're just complacent. We don't care anymore. We just go on through life. And that's not what God's designed us for. Paul isn't sitting here in prison writing this letter, being complacent about life. No, he's still doing what God had called him to do. He understands that God's provision was leading him to contentment. What about us? Are we content in our life or are we complacent? Are we complaining about the way things are going? Are we looking for how God is working through our circumstances to bring us where he wants us to be? Paul then goes on in verse number 13 and he says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now when we read this verse, now when we think about this verse and we think about the verses leading up to it, this isn't a verse to turn us into a superhero. No, because Paul says, listen, I've abounded whether things are going well or things are going bad for me. I've learned to be content. And he says, I can do all of this because of Christ who strengthens me. That idea of content is being self-sufficient. And Paul is getting across the theme that my self-sufficiency is because of who lives through me. And that's Jesus Christ. Paul is teaching us that he not only accepts all things, but he has all things. And we live in a society that bombards us with the need of dissatisfaction. And let's be honest, just use the example of vehicles. You know, for years, vehicles have changed the looks every couple years. Not because the technology is new or they're making the vehicle necessarily better. They just want you to want the newest, the latest, and the greatest because it looks different than what you have. And now we live where it's cool to have something older. You don't want something newer. You want something older. And so now we're bringing back old vehicles like the Ford Bronco and, and the Dodge Challenger to bring back some of that nostalgia because we want it to look old even though it's new. Cell phones every couple years come out with something completely different that even though ours works fine, we need to trade in. Why? Because everything in our society teaches us that we need to be dissatisfied. Advertisement on television is teaching you not to be satisfied with what you have, but that you need something better. And so what we do is we try to spend money that we don't have to try to bring a contentment to our life that really isn't that important. And Paul is trying to teach us that, listen, we need to find our strength, our, commit, our contentment, not in outside factors, but in Jesus Christ who lives in us. Jesus reminded us of this in John 15 and verse number five when he said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That needs to be our philosophy. Apart from him, 
We can do nothing. What brings us our strength? What are we leaning into? For some of us, it might be material things. It might be, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this to be happy. I've got to go buy this, and I've got to purchase this, and I've got to have this so that I can be happy. Others of us, it might not be material things. We might be leaning into alcohol or drugs to escape the reality of what we can't make it through the day without that drink or without that pill because we just want to escape the feelings and we want to escape the circumstances that are beating us down. Some of us, we might lose ourselves in work. We, we just get so focused on the job so that we don't have to think about anything. We're just going to keep working harder, hoping that we can measure up, that we can be something that is exceptional at the end of life. Maybe you come home at night and you just shut off and you turn on the TV and you just want nothing to bother you so that you can shut out all the circumstances around you. And we lean into so many things and so many things sustain us. But the question that we really need to ask is, are we sustained by anything other than Christ? He's the one that can sustain us. He's the one that should bring us contentment because we'll never find contentment in anything else. And if you're searching for that today, find your contentment. Be sustained by the strength of Christ. Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 14. He says this. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Now let's stop right here. What he's saying is, listen, again, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. And he says, I appreciate the partnership that you, you've given me. You're continuing to encourage me. So he goes on in verse number 16, he says this. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He continues on. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19 says this. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is talking about here is he's, he's thankful for what they've done for him. But if you look back at that passage, what you see is he took what they gave him and he handed it on to others. The blessings that the church at Philippi had given him, he passed on to the church of Thessalonica. He said, listen, I want to help you with what they've helped me with. And it wasn't just material things, it was spiritual things. Paul had Christians, had followers of Christ that invested it in him after his conversion, after he gave his life to Christ. There were those that poured into him and taught him. And he was taking those things and he was passing them on to other churches. Paul's focus was never on himself, it was always on others. And that's the theme of this letter that he's writing to the Philippians. He's saying, listen, life is so much better when we get the focus off, off of us and we put it on Christ and we allow, it allows us to bless others in our life. He didn't care what he had. He didn't care what stuff he had. He didn't have anything. He's sitting in prison. And yet he says, I have everything I need. In fact, I have more than I need. But he says, I want you to understand that what you've blessed me with, I've been able to bless other people with. See, contentment comes when we give more than we take. 
Contentment comes when we give more than we take, but how is this possible? Because it seems like I would be less content if I'm giving away everything that I can. But when we learn this principle in our life, when we learn to hold on to the things that we have with a loose hand and give them away as freely as they've been given to us, Paul says God is going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Reminds me of the verse in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 where it was written this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. When we honor God and give to him and give away what we have, he says, I'm going to take care of you. We can't outgive God. God has so much for us that he wants to give us and he wants to just pour out his blessings on us if we'll just learn to live lives of contentment with what we have. The key to all this is he says, my God will supply all your needs. It doesn't say my God will supply all your wants. He says all your needs, not some of your needs, not most of your needs. He says all that you need, my God is going to supply. I got to be honest, in my life, there's been a while that I've wanted an old truck, an old Ford truck, late 60s, early 70s, man, I want a truck. Do I need a truck? No, I just need reliable transportation. But I get my focus and sometimes, man, I'll get obsessed and I'll be online looking. I'll be like, man, I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy one. And, and trucks are the cool thing to have right now, especially old ones. And they're so overpriced. I'm like, I really don't need this. Is this really what I need to spend my money on? And God supplied me with my needs. God takes care of all my needs. And when I allow God to work in my life and when I understand that God is supplying everything that I need, It allows me to get my focus off myself and look at others and see how I can help with their needs. And when I'm walking in step with Jesus, when I'm living in the strength that he gives me, it allows me to live generously. It allows me to give more than I take. And what about you today? Are you thinking contentment comes by getting more instead of giving more? I mean, that's what our society teaches us today, and that's so opposite of Scripture. Scripture says, listen, give everything away that you can. Maybe today there are some things that we need to let go of, that we need to quit holding on to, that we think are bringing us contentment, and yet, to be honest, we're miserable. We need to give them away and say, hey, you can have this. This is yours. I don't need this. Paul closes out this book with a couple verses that I want to look at. Look at verse number 21. It says this. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That phrase in there where he says, especially those of Caesar's household, the saints of Caesar's household. You know, Travis pointed this out way back in January. Here, Paul is behind enemy lines. He's in prison. He's chained to Roman guards. He's around Romans all the time, Romans that don't know Jesus. And you know what Paul's doing? He's not becoming complacent because of his circumstances. No, he's found contentment, and he's still able to do what God has called him to do, and he's winning people to Jesus. He's introducing people to having a relationship with Jesus Christ, even behind enemy lines, to where now people in Caesar's house, those that are going to triumph, people that serve Caesar are now following after Jesus Christ. Paul was all about living for others. He had found contentment in his life. 
He understood the secret that, listen, it doesn't mean life is about me. Life should be about others and serving Jesus with my life. And that's what brings happiness. That's what brings contentment in our lives. So what about us today? Are we content? Paul says, listen, I want to let you in on the secret. And what's the secret? I think the secret in this passage is these few things. Number one, I've got to trust in God's provision. Number two, I've got to be sustained by Christ and only Christ, not anything else. And the third thing is I've got to give more than I take. And when we as followers of Christ do that, scripture teaches us and Paul says, my God will supply all your needs. He'll give us everything that we need. He won't hold anything back. And when we get to the end of our life, we're going to figure out that contentment isn't about the stuff I accumulate or the accomplishments I achieve or the accolades I receive. Contentment is found in trusting Christ and only him in the midst of my circumstances. And when we do that, God says, listen, I'm going to take care of everything you need. I got all the riches in the world. You're not going to need for anything. And one of the greatest needs that we have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today you might be sitting there, you might be in your car, you might be uh, working on something, listening to this talk. But I promise you, your greatest need in life, whether you realize it or not, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he loves you and he knows you better than anybody else ever could. And no matter what circumstances you're facing in your life right now, Christ understands those and God loves you. And God understood that your greatest need was to know him. And so he sent Jesus Christ in the form of man to come to earth, to die on a cross so that he could bear our sin burden, so that he could pay the price for our sin. The sin that separates us from God, the things that we choose to do contrary to what God has asked us to do. And Jesus paid for the price for that. He gave his life, but he didn't stay dead. He rose three days later so that he could have a relationship with us. And so when Paul says, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me, what he's saying is, listen, Christ, the relationship I have with him is what brings contentment to my life. It's not stuff. It's not circumstances. It's not anything but Jesus. And today, I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, today you can start that relationship. And if you're tired, and if you're worn out, and if you're beat down by life, man, give it over to Jesus. Life doesn't necessarily get any easier. Look at Paul. He's sitting in prison. Paul's life was hard after he followed Jesus. He was in prison most of his adult life, but he was content with where he was and he understood God's purpose for his life and he was happy. He rejoiced. He had joy because he knew Jesus. And today, if that's the choice that you want to make, I'm going to just ask you right now just to to take a moment and talk to God. And in this prayer and you're talking to God, say something like this. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And today, the best I know how. I want to give my life to you. I want to thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection for my sins. I'm going to set aside my pride, and I'm going to put my trust in you and only you. In Jesus' name, 
And if you prayed that today, I wanna congratulate you because that is the best decision that you could ever make. That relationship with Jesus Christ is your greatest need. And he can bring you contentment. He can bring you joy. He can bring you peace through your circumstances because he understands and he knows. And if you made that decision today, if you would just do me this favor, if you would text the word Mile City to the number that you see on the screen, one of our staff members will reach out to you and we would love to meet you and again, answer any questions that you might have and pray with you. And for the rest of us that are following after Christ, are we content or are we complacent?